Today on Two Way for Today, we are sitting with Talbert Black Jr. He is a hero here in Lexington County. He has been uh, a gun rights advocate for many years, long before I even got involved in the game. His name comes highly recommended as far as all the things to do with gun rights advocacy in South Carolina and the country for that matter, but especially South Carolina and what the Constitution of, of, of South Carolina specifically has to say and what bills in South Carolina should not say when it, as it relates to guns. So uh, I'm going to introduce Talbert Black to the show today. Welcome to the show, Talbert. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me on. Thank you, man. Thanks for coming on. You know, we're, we're in some trying times, man. Uh, our border is porous. We got like terrorists essentially coming in. We got Moms for Liberty getting labeled as terrorists while the Mexican t cartels are, you know, getting rich. So we, we, need, a, a, we need a lot of help. <laughs> we need a lot of changes in our governing, especially as it relates to our ability to defend ourselves uh, with our God-given right to keep and bear arms. Kind of tell me a little bit about uh, your history as gun right advocate and, 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 and then what we're facing today. Yeah, sure. I started really in the late 90s with an organization that's defunct now in South Carolina. It was called Grassroots Gun Rights. Um, and that is the organization that really introduced me to, uh, you know, just advocacy in the legislature and kind of what's going on in the state of gun rights in South Carolina. You know, before that, I'm like probably most of the people in South Carolina, when you first, uh, you know, start to become aware and you think South Carolina is a deep red state, we should be very conservative, uh, have all the liberties in the world, and, uh, you know, gun rights should be great. And actually, it's, uh, it's not very good at all. And, you know, we've made a few tiny steps forward over the last uh, few years. But, um, you know, what we really want is constitutional carry, which is, you know, hey, you, you can own it. You should be able to carry it whenever you want to, wherever you want to. Um, we're a long ways from that, but hopefully uh, we're, we're moving forward. Yeah, I got some friends that live in Idaho and they're advocates there for gun rights. And, and uh, from what I understand, they, they're carrying in the Capitol there, you know. They're so, so far beyond where we're at today. Uh, speaking of carrying in the Capitol, like I heard H3594, which purports <laughs> to be constitutional carry. It's more like color of law carry. That's what I like to call it. Um, co constitutional carry almost act, almost constitutional carry act. They were good, moving towards it. But, you know, that's my thing too. Like if, if it's not constitutional carry, let's not fool around. I mean, it's okay if it's a step in the right direction, carry act. I would be down for that as a title, right? <laughs> but they're, they're essentially fooling us, right? Yeah. Well, you know, it's the legislature always wants you to think they're doing way more than they really are. And, uh, you know, they're good marketers. Um, they are. They're pretty smart at what they do. I mean, if they weren't, then we wouldn't be in as bad a situation as we are. Um, uh, but, yeah, it is not truly going to change South Carolina so that we have a constitutional carry state. Um, it's just not going to do that. I do think it's going to do some good things. There are, in its current state especially, some very negative things in the bill that if they don't change, then I'm completely opposed to it and hope it, it dies. Um, but I think that we have a good opportunity to fix those things, make it into a good bill that takes us in the right direction without any steps backwards and then it's something i can support but we've got a lot of work to do to get it there yeah help me understand too because i know the amendment process that the senate used turned it into like 
I don't know, a Frankenstein carry bill. It was awful. But even in its current form, which, you know, the House did not concur, and they sent it back to the Senate in the same form that the Senate received it, are there things in it right now that you don't approve of? Yeah, so so the current state of the bill, um, just to be completely accurate, um, is the, um, so the House passed a, a version of the bill, sent it over to the Senate, uh, and the House version has a few minor problems, um, passed it over to the Senate. The Senate made a lot of problems, sent it back to the House. And so the House refused to concur, which was what we wanted them to do, sent it back to the Senate, and then the Senate refused to concur with the House. And so now it goes to a conference committee. So there's two versions of the bill, one the Senate passed, one the House passed. And so it's in this state of flux that neither version is like the version. There's literally two different versions of the bill that they can't agree on. So it goes to a conference committee and then the conference committee, their job is to work out a, a compromise that both House and Senate can agree on, vote for, and then send it to the, uh, the governor. But yeah, so the House version does have some problems with it uh, that, that concerns me. The, the core of the bill is that it, um, it purports to simply make the permitting process optional. South Carolina right now, uh, the way the law is written is you cannot carry a firearm, period. End of sentence, that's the law, except, and then there are some exceptions for who can carry. Law enforcement can carry. Um, there's a certain category of special people who can carry. Um, and if you have a permit, by the state, you can carry. Um, and until recently, it had to be concealed if you were permitted. Um, and then uh, a, a year or two ago, that was changed so that you can carry either openly or concealed if you have a permit. Uh, so the law, the bill that the House has proposed um, would make that permit optional. So you could carry um, with a permit or not, concealed or not in South Carolina, except in, and there's a large list of places that are categorically uh, prohibited from carrying. Uh, some of them make sense, you know, like in a prison. Um, some of them not so much, like in a library. Um, you can't carry into. Um, and so uh, that's, that's the current state. That's not going to change. Um, and then, of course, the list of special people who can carry anywhere in the state, even into these prohibited places, um, that list actually increases with the House version, which some people may say, hey, it's great. The more people we have carrying anywhere you want to, the better off we are. And that's really just the opposite, because the more people that you have carrying anywhere they want to, the less advocates you have for the rest of us who can't carry anywhere we want to. Right. Yeah. Um, so that. You know, true constitutional carry will get rid of the list of all the special people. Everybody will be able to carry anywhere they want to, anytime they want to, if they can legally own the firearm. So back to the bill. The House bill has a couple of things that it does. One is it creates a duty to report a weapon that is lost or stolen, which is fine. If you want to report that, great. Go report it. But what I don't like about that is it makes... The victim, me, if somebody steals my gun, 
it makes me into a criminal and lawbreaker if I fail to report that in a timely manner. Mm. And so it turns the victim into a criminal. And so I just, I disagree with that. And it also includes a a clause that if you lose your permit uh, and you don't report it lost or stolen within 48 hours, then you're also a lawbreaker. And this is the House bill, which is quote, you know, the good version of the bill. It has some problems. Yeah, those those are problems. Yeah, you know, all that criminalizing constitutionally protected behavior. I'm not talking about constitutionally permitted behavior. <laughs> right. Protected. Right. And so it seems to me like lawlessness by our legislators to allow our executive branch to be able to so trespass our liberties. Right. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So th- and that and that's all in the House bill that we're like, this is inching the right direction. Although I, I to to your point too, the less people that we have with us, the harder it is to advocate for it to be completely clean. Yeah. Yeah. It is. And so you know, I told you the list of special people increases who get to carry anywhere in the state, regardless of the categorical prohibitions. Um, oh, there we go. Okay. So. This is the list as it exists today. Um, if you are one of these kinds of people, you can carry anywhere in the state without prohibition or maybe some very minor prohibitions. Um, of course, law enforcement, which we expect, right? That that seems to be normal. Mm-hmm. Also, um, if you're a Supreme Court justice, carry anywhere in the state. Uh, judge on the Court of Appeals, a circuit court judge, a family court judge, all right, masters in equity judges. That's like property stuff, right? Um, probate court judges, magistrates, municipal court judges, federal judges, administrative law judges, solicitors, and assistant solicitors, active workers' compensation commissioners. What? Why are they special? <laughs> um, the attorney general and assistant attorneys general today can carry anywhere in the state, without prohibition, without a license, they're special. Why are they more special than my daughter? Why do they need more protection than my daughter or my wife yeah. or, or me? I don't yeah. know. Um, the House bill adds to that um, county clerks of court and uh, public defenders and assistant public defenders. They're special. I don't know why. Aristocracy. I mean, I understand we do have a kind of a measured uh, natural aristocracy, as we should. However, I mean, they're, they're essentially creating a special class of citizen that the law does not equally apply to. Yeah, absolutely. That That is a legal, by statute, aristocracy of special people who get more rights to protect and defend themselves who are worthy of protection more than me and my daughter, my wife, my parents, just any any person on the street yeah they're special not just rule of the best which is a basic aristocracy but um i mean even more equal than you and i like (laughs) the the law does not apply to them like it applies to us they have immunities now that we don't have and that that doesn't make any sense to me i don't like it at all i think that's the kind of stuff that makes it difficult for liberty people to to get on board and and pass legislation that would call itself constitutional carry you know, it's, to me, it seems like um, an attempt at, like you said, creating 
are, are dispersing us. So we don't have large-scale cooperation anymore. They create a situation where we now are in two groups. Like, for instance, some of the uh, amendments on the constitutional carry bill do some of the same things. I was told that, you know, you just said it increases the amount of people that can participate even more. Isn't that right? Isn't like, tell me about the Senate amendments. Yeah. So, um, the Senate adds to that list. Um, I think they took our advocacy away with it, didn't they? They, they completely take our advocacy away. I think that was their game plan with this one. So all of these people are, um, you know, influential in some way or another, right? You got mm-hmm. all the judges, uh, people who are public defenders and people that have some public influence Mm -hmm. who could, if they were, you know, as equal as we are (laughs) in being prohibited from carrying might be advocates for changing the law so that we could all carry. But why should they be now that they're special and and don't have to obey the same law that we do? It reminds me of like the tax kind of shell game that they play where they say they lowered your taxes, but what they really do is they put the tax on a smaller group of people who won't have the same amount of collective power to change it. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, so, um, yeah, this is what gets added. Active members of the General Assembly. <laughs> I mean, can you get any worse than that? The p- very people who want to prevent us from carrying and protecting ourselves have just added themselves to the list of special people. That's so funny. Like, that's so funny. It it, it, it illustrates though a basic either lack of understanding from our legislators or a lack of understanding in the people that wouldn't be appalled and up in arms (laughs) about that. Because we, we elect, we elect guards, right? To secure our rights. That's the only reason we even have government at all. I mean, at least according to the founders, they elucidated that, right? In the, in the Declaration of Independence. Yeah. We, we submit to be governed. We give consent to be governed to secure these rights. And if you become dis- destructive to those rights, then that's not good, right? There's a, there's a remedy for that, too. We're not talking about that in this show. However, the reason why we elect these folks is to secure our rights. And here they are uh, making them insecure. Yep, absolutely. They do. Now, here's the funny thing about that. This amendment... Um, Yep, Amendment Number Seven, uh, proposed by Gerald Malloy, uh, who who is a senator from Darlington, uh, Democrat, uh, pretty smart guy. I mean, he is a very smart tactician in the Senate, um, and uh, he's a nice guy. I like talking to him. Um, but he proposed this amendment, uh, made a motion for it to pass, and it passed on a voice vote not a recorded vote Mm. and if you go and listen to the audio not a single senator not one voted against it you don't hear any vocal no's at all in the chamber not any of our like pro-gun rights senators that you would think would be up in arms about this like why are we adding more you know people special people to this list of special people for all the reasons that we talked about not a one of them said a word and that but just flew right through on a voice vote. Yeah, I, I have a um, <clears throat> conspiracy theory about that. Man. I think that I, <laughs> I think that um, you can judge whether or not it's conspiracy or not. Right? It's definitely a theory, but my theory is that they are just joining arms together in the Senate because it's an election year. Because they do have the Senate Republicans, which is a caucus, which has lots of money to send out 
you know, mailers against you if you go yep. against leadership or not send them out for you if yep. you go against leadership. And so they're all like, let's just not throw each other under the bus this election year, you know. We'll let the House fight their battle. And we'll, maybe we'll get rid of some of these liberty people too. And I don't think our guys, the ones that are pro-gun rights, that are very close to being like what you would consider Freedom Caucus members, are thinking that as much as they're thinking survival. <laughs> yeah, it is. And um, exactly what you said, I've already gotten the mailer for my senator, uh, Billy Garrett, that already claims, you know, great on Second Amendment, uh, you know, here's a great senator. And of course, it's sent out by the Republican Senate Republican caucus that pay for that and send it out on their behalf. And, uh, you know, there was stuff on social media that came out right after this vote talking about how all these senators are great gun rights senators and stuff. Even the yeah. ones who were like really, really bad on it and still are getting Republican caucus support. Yeah. But I mean, you know, obviously they, they supported that amendment by that Democrat. And then they also supported Shane Massey's amendment. Talk about Amendment 36 for me. Okay. So that is probably the worst of everything that got done. There was some other bad stuff, but uh, Shane Massey proposed an amendment. So let me set this up for you. Um, and it's a pattern that's not new. So they, there's been two or three days now of, uh, you know, at the time this amendment came up, there'd been two or three days of debate and fighting about, uh, you know, this constitutional carry and some amendments proposed and voted down and some passed. Um, and then suddenly there's like an hour or two of just not much going on. Democrats are up there talking, some Republicans are up there talking, and some some funky amendments are being proposed, but there's just not much really debate going on. It's just talk, kind of like burning time going on. And uh, and that's when Malloy got up there and proposed his amendment, and it passed. There was no opposition. And I should have known something was going on, because I saw this same thing happen on the gas tax a couple of years, mm. several years ago. Um, it got late in the evening. People are getting hungry. And Shane Martin proposes um, that they recess ostensibly for dinner for 30 minutes where they're gone for two hours. And me and, and a few other advocates who have been kind of texting back and forth with these pro-gun senators, kind of keeping up with what's going on and what their strategy and tactics are, they all go silent. Mm. We don't hear anything from them. They come back two hours after they've been on break and Shane Massey gets up and proposes this, this amendment. And it's nuts. Um, he's talking about the big thing that NAGR and some others uh, published um, letters against was two classes of citizen, basically. You've got everybody that has a um, permit and then everybody that doesn't. And everybody can carry, but if somebody with a permit and somebody without a permit both commit the same crime, the one without the permit automatically has three years tacked on to whatever sentence he gets because he doesn't have a permit. And, and Massey's up there talking about this and nobody is opposing it. Nobody's talking against it. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm texting a few of our friends in the Senate. I'm like, hey, what's going on here? This is crazy, y'all. I mean, Shane doesn't actually think y'all are going for this, are you? Silence. Well, they all do. They all vote for it. They all support it. I mean, go and talk about conspiracy theories. I don't know what it is. And I, I don't like, um, 
you know, talking about why somebody does something, because you never know. But the facts are they all supported it. Yeah. Not not, not even one table. I mean, did Shane, did Senator Martin tr- attempt to table Shane Massey's amendment? No, no. Uh, um, uh, voted for it. Wow. Well, because I, I think that, you know, uh, when the, yeah. I know Senator Sheely did not oppose the amendment at all when it came out of uh, the senator from Edgefield's mouth, which, which to me is problematic, you know, because that's where you show, okay, I don't like this amendment. Let, I, I motion to table it, and if it does, right. the, the, if that table doesn't, that, that doesn't pass, and you move on to voting for it, you know. Yep. Sure. Roll call. Okay. Amendment thirty-six passed twenty-eight to thirteen. So there were some who voted against it. Uh. <laughs> yeah, here's the funny thing. Um, people who voted against it were Democrats. <laughs> so the eyes, those who voted in favor of this amendment. Uh, yeah, Shane Martin, Shane Massey, of course, uh, Wes Clymer, Sean Bennett, Richard Cash, uh, and, and of course, uh, there is... Wait a minute, where is she? Yeah, Katrina Sheely. I'm mean, gonna go through read, read the whole list, but it's it's everybody that you would think should be opposing this. Yeah. Voted for it. Yeah, that, that that's what tells me that they, you know, they're they're it's an election year for them. They don't do this every two years, right? And so yes, yeah. yeah, every four years. Yeah. So they're they're like, yeah. I, I, there was a movie a long time ago. I can't remember the name of it. Just kind of. Uh, fell out of my mind there but there was a a specific organism that grew to multicellular and it grew so it, it was singular cell it grew to multicellular it was from another planet but then when it fire hit it it resorted back to its most resilient form which was single cell yeah that's what it seems like our senate's doing right now they, a little fire hit them and they're resorting to single yep. cell they're, we're all yep. going to just be one together yep and if we if we stay together then none of us get put on the out and if anybody outs us then we'll out you <laughs> yep. Yeah. And so I was on. So w- when we realized what was happening, we started calling and uh, I talked with Wes Clymer. There were others who were talking with and, and Katrina, like, all right, there's no point in even talking to her because you just can't reason with her. Um, there were others who were talking with uh, with Shane uh, and uh, and uh, Wes. And I was talking to Wes and, and a few others, and they were literally arguing with me, trying to convince me why this was a good thing. This is the best deal we're going to get. It's either this or nothing. And I'm like, no, it, look, if this is what we're going to get, it's nothing. Cause this is a step <laughs> backwards. We don't, I mean, why, why would we even think about it? Yeah. And, uh, after two or three backs and forth with, with Senator Clymer, I said, look, I can tell you're not going to be convinced and I'm certainly not going to be convinced. Vote the way you want to vote, but we're going to report it that you voted for this anti-gun amendment. And he's like, well, okay, that's what you've got to do. And, and so, yeah, okay. So we did. Man, it's like this, you know, I, yeah. I don't even understand the concept. I mean, it wasn't any of the Republicans in the di- in the precincts. It wasn't, you know, the activists, Republican voters who were like, hey, tackle on this stupid amendment. It had yeah. to have been the government lobby. Right. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand why. So it, it was. So Shane Massey has been, and he, he's my senator. Um, unfortunately, for another until the end of the year, and then I switch, and I'm in Billy Garrett's district from redistricting. But Shane Massey is my senator, and so um, 
I chat with him and, and we've got sort of a love hate relationship, mostly hate, but he's, he's a nice guy and he's polite. And so we can have a conversation. Um, but he has been very vocally against constitutional carry from the get go. And he doesn't hide it. He does not like getting rid of the permit process. He does not like getting rid of the required training, uh, which I like training. I think we should all get training. I just don't yeah. think the government should mandate how much it needs to be. Mm. Um, very much against it. And I think this was his way of trying to kill the bill, basically. Um, he's very smart. He's, uh, he's a very good tactician. He knows how to manipulate the Senate. And I think that he, he thinks that with this amendment, he could talk to his fellow senators and, and tell them, uh, you know, this is the way we'll get something done. Mm -hmm. But what he hopes really happens is that rightfully so it should be just killed. Um, and that Shane Massey really thought the House would concur because the NRA was in on this and supporting it. The NRA was lobbying the House to concur and was telling the House if they voted to non-concur that the NRA would grade that as a bad anti-gun vote. Mm -hmm. That's why I really, I really hate the NRA. They've been like this before on us where, where they just want to win Sometimes they get like the Senate where they just want to win at any cost. Uh, NAGR was against it. GOA was against it. You know, all the other gun groups were against it. NRA supported it. And it took all of the grassroots people like you and me and, and all people like us really pressuring our members of the House. Even the Freedom Caucus was kind of going back and forth on whether or not they were going to concur. Yeah. And I know Shane Massey thought the House was going to concur and he would either get this two-tiered um, system that punishes people who don't have a permit or we would kill it. And I think he would have been happy with either one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that's, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm a values person, right? Uh, philosophically, I'm a values person. I understand that we have to sometimes make compromises, right? But I, I, I'm not sure that we're talking about in the areas of my values that I need to make a compromise. It's kind of like, to what end? At what at what point do you stop? Like, okay, if I think it's adultery is bad, uh, but I have to make a compromise. Okay, well, you can you can't sleep with my wife, but you can do other things to her. No, <laughs> no, no. I'm not going to compromise on my values, right? And one of those values is equality under the law, equal justice, right? I mean, it's a matter of fact. John Adams said it very clearly, right? And I, I can't quote him exactly, but to the effect of a republic, in his estimation, the only true republic is one where every citizen, no matter what your class or, you know, whatever your stature is, are equally subject to the laws. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> equally subject to the laws. Yeah. And so this is war against our republic. You know, you know so the, the, when, when I think about compromise, and, and this is my rule of thumb personally, is my compromise is always how much towards the goal are we going to go? I personally never, ever accept compromise that takes any move backwards. Uh -huh. um, yeah. and, and a bill, no matter how good it is for me, um, if it has anything bad in it, I'm against it because that's a step in the wrong direction. Yeah. And we always end up losing in the long run. If we take steps forward and steps backwards, we always end up losing in the long run because there's always more steps backwards than forwards. Yeah. That's, that's a really, really powerful and salient point.
I mean, it's it's, just, it's disappointing. Our opponents are very bright. They are. Yeah. They understand that. Every step to them uh, away from our values is a win. No matter. And so we're already behind the eight ball. I got, it's in my opinion that we don't even need the Second Amendment. Our Constitution has it written in it in South Carolina. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. The Second Amendment just confirms what's already written, right? It confirms what we already have. It's like verily, verily. (laughs) I don't even know why we're having this discussion. (laughs) So, but thank you so much for for coming on and unpacking this stuff with me, man. I really appreciate that. Thanks, Zoe, for everything you're doing, um, for doing stuff like this, for supporting the Second Amendment, for all the people that you reach. I really, really appreciate it. We need more people like you, man. Well, I, I'm honored. I'm encouraged by that. Um, my wife would probably say one's enough, <laughs> but I appreciate that. I appreciate you too, man. You are, you built a platform for all of us to be able to step into because your fight produced more of us. It was you. It was your example. Even though I never met you, your example encouraged and, and, and spawned others who I did meet. And now I am also the fruit of Talbert Black and his activism <laughs> and his gun rights yeah. advocacy. Thank you. Thank you. That concludes our program for today. My name is Zoe. Post your comments or questions, and we'll try to address as many as as we can, as fast as we can, in the coming weeks and months. Thank you for watching 2A for today. They say I'm part of a global plan. I don't think so. It's too hot, it's too cold. You know what? The weather changes. Here's the news, Dad. Nope. It's hard to tell what's real and what's fake these days. Ditch the fake news and always get the truth. Go to thenewamerican.com.